This video is brought to you by NordVPN. Today, Joe Biden arrives in Israel as the crisis escalates. Russia moves to withdraw from the nuclear test ban treaty, and Venezuela's government and opposition strike a deal to hold an election next year. From TLDR News, this is your daily briefing for Wednesday the 18th of October 2023. US President Joe Biden has arrived in Israel for a high-stakes visit amid an escalating crisis, not just in Israel and Palestine, but also in the wider region. Biden was welcomed by Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu after he touched down in Tel Aviv on Wednesday for a trip designed to show solidarity with the close US ally, following the unprecedented attack by Hamas on October the 7th, which killed more than 1,400 people. However, the stakes of his visit were raised, as he arrived less than a day after a huge blast at the Al-Akhi Baptist Hospital in Gaza, which Palestinian authorities say killed hundreds of people. Palestinian officials have said the blast and fireball was the result of an Israeli airstrike, though Israel denies responsibility and said it was caused by a failed rocket launch by the Palestinian Islamic Jihad militant group, which rejects the accusation itself. Joe Biden said while in Israel that based on what he's seen, it was done by the other team, not Israel. Biden had been planning to travel from Israel to Jordan, where he would meet Arab leaders from Jordan, Egypt and the Palestinian Authority. However, following the hospital blast, this leg of the trip was scrapped as the president of the Palestinian Authority withdrew and declared three days of national mourning, and the King of Jordan cancelled the summit. The hospital blast has sparked anger and protest across the Arab world. In Lebanon, the Iran-backed Hezbollah group called for a day of rage to coincide with Biden's visit, and protesters clashed with Lebanese security forces outside the American embassy near Beirut. There were clashes with police in Turkey as crowds of protesters gathered outside the Israeli consulate in Istanbul and the embassy in Ankara. Libya also saw protests, as did Jordan, where protesters were dispersed by tear gas as some reportedly tried to storm the Israeli embassy. Meanwhile, as Palestinian President Mahmoud Abbas returned to the West Bank following the cancelled summit, he was met by protesters expressing long-simmering frustration and anger at the Palestinian National Authority. Ahead of Biden's meeting with Netanyahu, his National Security Council spokesperson said the president will be asking some tough questions of the Israeli leader. But as a friend and speaking to understand Israel's objectives and plans for the days and weeks ahead, he added that Biden will stress the obligation to avoid civilian casualties and the need for humanitarian aid to reach Gaza. Biden will later meet with Israel's war cabinet, as well as have meetings with emergency workers, victims' families and others. There's more on the way, but be sure to subscribe and ring the bell to make the daily briefing part of your daily routine. Or just search for us on your podcast app to listen along. Russia's Duma, the lower house of parliament, has taken the first step to revoking the country's ratification of the Comprehensive Nuclear Test Ban Treaty. In a unanimous vote, the Duma approved the withdrawal from the treaty in the first of three readings. Russian authorities have said that the move is being made in order to put Russia on the same level as the United States, which signed the 1996 treaty but never ratified it, while Russia ratified it in 2000. Russia says it will not resume nuclear testing unless the US does. For reference, only North Korea has conducted a test involving a nuclear explosion in this century. 
A member of President Putin's Security Council told the Russian parliament that our vote is an answer to the USA, to their crass approach to their duties to maintain global security. We must think about global security, the safety of our citizens, and act in their interests. Meanwhile, Vladimir Putin, along with dozens of other world leaders, is in China for the Belt and Road Forum, marking a decade of China's Belt and Road Infrastructure Initiative and looking ahead to the next 10 years. Also at the summit was Putin's first photographed handshake with an EU leader, Hungary's Viktor Orban, since Russia's full-scale invasion of Ukraine in February 2022. The Venezuelan government and opposition have reached a deal on electoral conditions for next year's presidential election, paving the way for the US to relieve some of its sanctions on the socialist-led South American country. The agreement, finalised in Barbados and brokered by Norway, schedules the election for the second half of next year and provides for it to be overseen by international observers, including from the United Nations and European Union. The agreement states that the parties will recognise and respect the right of each political actor to select a presidential candidate. However, the question of whether candidates who've received bans will be allowed to run remains unanswered. The opposition's lead negotiator said it provides a route for those candidates and parties to regain their rights quickly. But the government's negotiator said convicted or disqualified candidates would not be allowed to run. Nevertheless, the agreement has been described as a step towards a freer vote next year and a potential way out of the ongoing political and economic crisis. It seems likely that the US will move to ease some oil-related sanctions on Venezuela, where oil revenues are vital to the crippled economy. The US imposed sanctions in 2018 after President Nicolas Maduro was returned to power in an election that the US and others denounced as a sham. Easing oil sanctions would benefit the US too by allowing Venezuelan exports to bolster the global oil market, which has been disrupted by Russia's invasion of Ukraine and Saudi Arabia's cut to production. The US House continues to be in limbo as Donald Trump ally Jim Jordan lost the vote to become Speaker on Tuesday afternoon. Despite Republicans holding a narrow majority in the House of Representatives, Jordan was unable to secure the 217 votes required to become Speaker, as 20 of his Republican colleagues voted for other people, a sign that the party's infighting and turmoil continues. Among these 20 are some more moderate Republicans in swing districts who could be damaged by Jordan's outspoken, more hardline brand of politics. It means the House remains leaderless, as it has been since former Republican Speaker Kevin McCarthy was removed by an unprecedented vote engineered by a handful of party hardliners. Jim Jordan will make a second attempt at winning the Speakership later on Wednesday, but it's not clear if he'll fare any better than his first attempt. In the meanwhile, the House is unable to respond to events in the Middle East and Ukraine, and has already used up more than two weeks of the limited time they have left until November the 17th to fund the government and avoid a shutdown. We end with some uplifting news. The world's first off-road solar-powered vehicle has completed a more than 1,000-kilometre journey across Morocco. The car, called Stella Terra, was built by a team of students at Eindhoven University of Technology who hope that the technology can help connect remote areas where roads are less developed and energy grids are not as reliable. 
On a sunny day, the road legal car has a battery range of about 710 kilometres, or around 500 kilometres off-road, depending on the surface. The team manager said the vehicle has been about one-third more efficient than expected on the journey. So while we normally end the daily briefing with an uplifting story, not all of the news we cover is actually that uplifting. Actually, quite a lot of it's quite scary. Fortunately, when it comes to your digital safety, NordVPN has your back. It's an unfortunate reality that online scams and phishing attacks are on the rise, with us constantly bombarded with emails from our banks, social media accounts, and annoying newsletters we forgot we even signed up to. It's easy to click the wrong thing. One weak link can compromise security and bring things crashing down. With the protection of NordVPN though, you can use their threat protection features to identify potential suspicious links. Even if you did reach a suspicious website, NordVPN's data encryption tools would protect against a number of other attacks, like malicious man-in-the-middle breaches. Even if things do go wrong, NordVPN's dark web monitoring is always scanning for your details and passwords, and can actively notify you before you even notice. Plus, if you sign up to a two-year plan using our link, you'll not only get a massive discount, but you'll also get four extra months totally free. We've been told that sometimes when people hear us talk about NordVPN, they open up a new tab and start searching, but they don't use our link. I'm certainly glad that they do use the service, but you only get the discount and you support the channel through that link. So if you're trying to improve our journalism by signing up for Nord, use our link when you do, and you'll get their great service at a discount.